I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fifth Emission. Today, we're going to be talking about the increasing frequency of animal-to-human transmission of novel viruses. Some of the most lethal diseases to ever strike humans have started in animals. That was true of SARS, Ebola, HIV-AIDS, and it's true of the novel coronavirus that the globe is now struggling to contain. As many as three out of every four infectious diseases are coming from animals, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And a new one pops up every four months on average. There is a growing body of evidence that these diseases are tied to environmental degradation. Joining me to talk about his recent report on this topic is Curtis Alexander. Curtis, why do scientists think that environmental damage is linked to these outbreaks? Well, as you mentioned, the spread of these viruses from animals to, to humans has really been on the rise. And that's come as humans have exploded in population and moved into parts of the globe where they hadn't lived before and where animals had been living. So as people move into these areas, they're coming into more contact with these animals, and that's allowing these viruses to spread from these animals to people. And so what what sort of environmental damage are we really talking about here? Because when I, when I first read the story, I assumed it was climate change, which would make sense and we can talk about, but, but specifically you were talking more about habitat damage in this story. Yeah, there's a real host of human activities that contributes to the increased spread of viruses from animals to humans. First of all, you have specific activities like hunting or the wildlife trade, where people actually go into the wilderness and they encounter these animals. They may eat them, they may sell them, they may be, they may be next to them where the animals may sneeze on them or pass along some sort of bodily fluid. So they're coming into more direct contact through these specific activities. But these studies also look at the wider trends of people just moving into places where they hadn't lived before. And they're farming and they're, they're building villages and they're foraging. And these broader activities are also putting people into greater contact with these animals. And the scientists have told me that the spread of viruses from an animal to a human is really a rare thing. It, it just doesn't happen to see this cross-species spread. But just because we have so many more people and we're up against so many more animals, it's just happening. The possibility, the opportunity is greater and it's happening. In this, in this case specifically of the novel coronavirus, um, I, I believe the the best theory right now is that it was transmitted by a bat. Is that correct? That's what a lot of scientists are saying. They still don't know for sure. There's going to be research done for years on this to try to trace the origins of the new coronavirus. But bats have had coronaviruses before, so that's why a lot of scientists think that that may be what has caused this coronavirus. And bats, as you said, you don't think of bats necessarily as something that comes into contact with humans a lot, but bats really are everywhere. They're in cities, um, they're, they can nest in our homes or garages, they're in barns, they're in the wilderness. There's hundreds of species of bats across the world. And bats can fly too, and that's a pretty efficient way of getting around and spreading a virus from from one place to another. 
Yeah, I never thought about that. I just think that I do not want to touch a bat and I don't want it to be anywhere near a bat. So how are humans coming into contact with them? I, do they do they eat them or you know is it like rabies where you get bit? How is this transmission happening? Yeah, all of the above have happened in the past. Um, people in certain countries do hunt bats and they do farm bats and they do eat bats. So they can eat them and a virus can be passed. But bats can also, they can, they can also bite people. So their, I guess, reason is to be afraid of, of bats. Um, and bats can also pass the virus on to another animal. And that animal can have contact with a human being. So there can be sort of two things that passed along. In the case of the coronavirus, the new coronavirus, they think it's a pangolin that might have been the host for the virus went from a bat to the pangolin to a person. And uh, that's what was at the, um, at the wet market in, in, uh, in Wuhan, China, where the first person is thought to have been affected. What is a wet market? That's just where live animals are. We don't have them in the States or California. We've got farmer's markets where you have fruit and vegetables and stuff. But uh, often there's animals um, that are taken directly from the wilderness and bought and sold for food or for fur or for their scales or for whatever purpose people might want to use them. Yes, we do not have live animals at my Noe Valley Farmer's Market. And I have to say, I'm pretty thankful about that. Your risk um, of infection uh, is much lower. Yes, I think. Thank goodness. Um, we also know that transmissions can come from an other animals that are not necessarily exotic. Um, how how do these sort of transmissions happen? We We know that there are disease i mean we called it the swine flu or the avian flu um how how are are those transmitted the same way as the ones that are coming from more exotic species yeah it's pretty much the same way all forms of contact can pass along the viruses and it really gets down to what the most efficient way the virus spreads that usually dictates how the virus is passed along domestic animals are generally one of the top spreaders of these viruses, but it's not so much because the domestic animals are big carriers, and I guess they are carriers, but it's because we're in contact with cows and pigs and camels and sheep and dogs and cats that they're pretty much the reason we get viruses from them, not so much because they're uh, a dangerous um, or they're an animal that's more likely to pass a, a virus along to a human. Well, we also know that we can pass viruses on to animals. I was I was very surprised to hear that there is a tiger at the Bronx Zoo and, and other animals at this zoo that have contracted coronavirus, presumably from, from humans. So it can go the other way as well. Yeah, the, you mentioned the tiger at the Bronx Zoo, and they're not quite sure how that was passed along exactly. But I've also read reports where two dogs and two cats have gotten the coronavirus from humans and they're not sure exactly how that happened either but they think that it's a very very small chance that the virus can go from a human to a tiger or a cat or a dog and they say that just the sheer numbers of animals that have gotten it from humans is evidence that this isn't likely to happen that much I'm speaking with reporter Curtis Alexander. Curtis, when we come back, I want to talk more about biodiversity and why small animals seem to be particularly problematic. We'll be back right after this. 
Before we went to break, uh, we were talking about what kind of animals um, were passing these diseases on to humans. And, and you mentioned that the coronavirus seems to have originated in a bat. At least that's what the current and probably the most dominant theory is right now. Um, in your story, you mentioned that that small animals seem to be particularly problematic. Why is that? Well, I talked to I talked to Rick Ostfeld, and he's an ecologist at the Cary Institute of Ecosystem Studies in New York, and he says that small animals tend to be the ones that get along with humans, and just because they're among humans, they're more likely to pass the virus. They're an animal that just is around humans, so they're going to pass the virus on to people more often. These small animals that pass the virus also have shorter lifespans and they spend a lot of their time trying to reproduce. They often have a lot of babies, so all of their energy goes to just trying to stay alive, maybe trying to avoid a predator, trying to give birth, trying to find a mate, and a lot less of their time goes, a lot less of their time and energy goes to their immune system. So they're more likely to have the virus, virus as well. Oh, that's really interesting. So one of the other points that you make is, or one of the, the sources that you quote makes is that biodiversity is linked also to the spread of these pathogens. Can you explain, maybe first just explain what biodiversity is for anyone who doesn't know, and then explain how it's linked to the spread of these pathogens? Sure. I mean, biodiversity is basically just having a diverse ecosystem and having plants animals, algae, everything in balance. So you've got a food chain that is healthy and works. Um, and often when, when people go into an environment, they sort of muck up this chain and uh, some things survive, some things don't, and things can get out of whack. Um, in the case of viruses, um, when you have a healthy, intact ecosystem, you have, bi you have this biodiversity, the communities are gonna be a lot healthier and more resistant to viruses. So if there is a virus around, their bodies will be able to fight it. If humans are in there mucking things up, they're gonna be more stressed. The animals are gonna be more stressed. They're gonna be more prone to getting viruses and uh, there's gonna be more spread. Also, um, when you have humans in there, you're gonna have sort of survival of the fittest and a lot of animals aren't going to stick around. And those that do stick around are probably the ones that have the viruses and um, they're gonna need a host to pass the virus along to, and often humans are going to be that host. Some of the most notorious diseases that we've dealt with as as humans, um, not over just the last century, but uh, over the last couple of centuries, have been spread from animals. Can you go through a couple of them and how they are believed to have made the leap into humans? Sure. I mean, a lot of them have come from bats, SARS, Ebola, um, and uh, the AIDS HIV epidemic is believed to have its origins in animals as well. It's a chimpanzee in West Africa that is believed to have delivered the virus to a human in the late 1940s or 1950s. So um, you have the avian flu, which comes from birds. Rabies has been transmitted by bats. There's just any number of viruses that have come from a diversity of animals like this. One of the things I think is interesting about this human to animal to human transmission is, you know, this 
this virus that we're dealing with right now has basically shut down huge portions of the globe because we know it has the uh, the ability to come in and 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 be very lethal. Is that also the experience in the animal kingdom or or do different species have different tolerance levels for some of these viruses? I think it's that different species have different to- tolerance levels for these viruses. I mean, some species like we talked about some of the smaller animals they either have immunity or they die before they get infected by the viruses. Bats are a good example of a species that just doesn't get sick. They can host a number of viruses, yet they fly around and they're very happy. So it really is a case of natural selection and some species doing better than others. And um, that just further kind of mucks up the ecosystems, as we were talking about earlier, with biodiversity and having a healthy structure to begin with. It seems like nowadays it's difficult to deal with any crisis that we're facing on this planet and for us not to go back to the issue of climate change. What role is climate change playing in the spread of these diseases and the fact that they're popping up at all? Well, it seems like climate change has its fingerprint on everything these days, and that's true still with the spread of viruses. I think with viruses, what you're seeing is a lot of species moving to new territory as the globe warms, people or animals moving to cooler climates further north. And uh, and humans are doing the same thing as they try to acclimate to climate change. They're moving and you're seeing more collisions between humans and animals. And as a result, you're seeing more transmissions between animals and humans. At the end of reading your story, um, I I have to say I I felt a little helpless <laughs> to to deal with this this level of information if this is going to be an increasing problem as humans grow into former wildland spaces and we have more contact with these animals and we know biodiversity is plummeting is there a solution to this or is it just something that the world health officials just need to monitor more because it's an inevitability well i thought it was really interesting that The United Nations, the environmental arm of the United Nations, made a statement last Friday calling on its members to be more sensitive to the environments that they exist in, to take more precautions around wildlife. And uh, they directly link the spread of animal-related viruses to humans to this sort of environmental invasion that that humans are making. They did have some remedies, too, and it depends on the human activities. We talked about earlier, there's a lot of things that are driving these transmissions, everything from these markets in Wuhan to the hunting of exotic species to uh, development in these um, wildlife areas. So you can have laws that prohibit certain things from being sold at markets. You can have laws that stop people from hunting and making contact with certain species. And then on the development side, you can restrict development and just be more sensitive about where you go and how you expand a city or a town or a village. These are all really great things. I think if anything, you know, one of the things that is becoming very clear to people as we all shelter in place is just, I I know we all know it intellectually, but what an impact humans have 
on the environment. We're seeing it with cleaner water and clearer skies. And, you know, if it, maybe if there's good to come out of this, it can help us all reflect on what we want to change about how we're developing this planet moving forward. That's a really good point. I, I think this virus and the changes it's imposed upon our life will really have us reflecting on what our footprint is on the environment and how small changes in our lifestyle can have a big impact when it comes to the environment. Um, I think this also sheds a light on how globalized our world is now and things that happen 3,000, 4,000 miles away can end up at our doorstep. And uh, we have to be more conscious of that too as we move forward in this sort of bigger but smaller world. Absolutely. You don't have to be contacted by a bat in uh, a village in Wuhan. You can still be impacted by those decisions. And, and this certainly taught us that more than anything else can. Exactly. Curtis, thank you for being with me today. Well, thanks for having me, Audrey. Always a pleasure. I'd like to thank reporter Curtis Alexander for being with me today. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.